And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There is a number NBA players care about almost more than any other number. It doesn't have to do with their three point percentage or the number of points they score. That number exists in the virtual world of video games. I think my rating should be a 99 on 2K. I work extremely hard. I can make shots from all over the floor. Yeah, pretty much do everything great. From former MVPs like Kevin Durant to world champions like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie, what do you think your rating should be? I think my rating, we add in a few factors, then I should at least be like a 95 plus. Each year before the release of the newest version of NBA 2K, pro basketball players all have one question on their mind. What's my 2K rating? I hate to tell you this, but you're 90. It's motivating me now. By the end of the season, mark my words, I will be a 93 plus. The debate of who is the GOAT is ultimately subjective. But in the ultra-competitive world of the NBA, someone's 2K rating is a clear definition of who is better than who. The first time I met Michael Jordan was amazing, and even the last time I met Michael Jordan was crazy. That is Ronnie Singh, better known to his millions of social media followers as Ronnie 2K. Ronnie is the living embodiment of the NBA 2K franchise. I never thought it would turn into anything like it has, but now it's become this thing where it's one to many, and it's been the most amazing thing ever. Ronnie's journey from dissatisfied law student to the Michael Jordan of 2K is the focus of today's episode. I'm Yovan Buha from The Athletic, and this is Stargazing. Yo, yo, welcome to Stargazing, a show about the figures and influencers that surround the superstars in NBA culture. I'm Yovan Buha, an NBA reporter at The Athletic. And joining us now is Ronnie Singh, aka Ronnie 2K. Ronnie is the face of 2K, and his primary role is being in charge of developing and maintaining relationships with athletes, celebrities, and influencers to help spread 2K's popularity. Just one of the hats you wear. But Ronnie, thank you for being here, first and foremost. Of course. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. And you just got into LA, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, it's funny, um, as is always the case, even during COVID, we are always thinking about the next kind of way that we want to market. So uh, I actually flew in to do a shoot right before this with uh, Lethal Shooter, the um, mm-hmm. the basketball coach trainer that goes viral all the time. We did a little content series with him that we just shot that. I literally just came here. I have not been to my hotel. <laughs> you came, you came <laughs> with your suitcase. Yeah, I came with a big suitcase. I'm, yeah. I'm going to New York after this. So, it, you know, as the business has grown, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot, we have to be everywhere. We have to um, kind of jump on every basketball moment that we can. So that's a big part of what I'm up to. Let's start with this. How and, and why did you fall in love with basketball growing up? Uh, you know what's funny? I... Uh, I loved playing it. And I, I was a late bloomer. So like I didn't play until sixth grade. I'd never picked up a basketball in my life until sixth grade. And then I didn't really even play on teams until like late in high school when I had my growth spurt. I was the shortest kid in my class until ninth grade. and But I loved basketball and I loved sports in general. I mean, I, the first sport 
that I really fell in love with actually was football. I was a huge 49ers fan. It was like the glory years of the 49ers. A huge Giants fan. The Warriors sucked. They were <laughs> awful uh, for a really long time in that, in that stretch. Obviously, they're amazing now. But so like the culture of sports, the affinity of sports in the Bay Area, some of the greatest athletes of all time have, have been through the Bay Area. So um, that really got like captured my imagination and it was just something I I would live and breathe. I would, I'd play after school hours at a time playing basketball and then go home and watch watch it on TV. You originally wanted to be a sports agent, mm-hmm. if I understand that correctly. Yep. Uh, like Jerry Maguire, that yep. was your kind of inspiration. What went into wanting to do that? And then ultimately, why did you not continue to practice law after you got into it? Like most college students, like you have to pick a major and unless you're like a doctor, engineer, lawyer, you're kind of like, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. Uh, But it's it's heavy expectation. I was from a Brown family. So there was like, you know, everybody was a doctor or a business owner or an engineer. You know, like those are the the typical things. But I always loved sports. I I just could not get away from it. So I was like, you know, if I'm going to be a lawyer, if I'm going to go to postgraduate education, I'm going to do it in sports. And Jerry Maguire was uh, <laughs> the inspiration there. But, uh, you know, for for years, like, I was trying to figure it out like most people. Finally, I settled on, um, you know, I had enough credit to go to law school. So I took my LSAT, got a really great score, and then got into Columbia Law and went to Columbia Law for nine, nine weeks and hated my life. It was, like, <laughs> awful. I just didn't think law was going to be what I thought it was going to be. I picture you know like the movies i picture you know like a lot of the the things that partners do watching suits or something you know mm-hmm. um and uh it, it wasn't that it not that i wasn't dedicated to it but i wasn't passionate the way i was passionate to sports right so like i got an opportunity right after uh i took a break i was like i'm gonna take a break and i went to work, work for a law firm to make sure i wasn't wrong with my decision but at the same time i went to work for a women's basketball team in san diego and was working like 80 hours a a week, which I do regularly now at 2K, but uh, just no thrill in it. And then, but the basketball team, which I was volunteering and, you know, not making anything, I was just, I loved. I, I ran their game day operations. Minor league sports were so much fun because your role was so important. You, were, you wore so many hats. And so then when I came over to 2K, coincidentally, 10 minutes from where I grew up, which is pretty crazy to think about, it sort of had the same mentality. You know, we were the underdog. We were the, the startup, you know, like at the time we didn't, we weren't the majority leader in the basketball category in any category really uh it was just a few years out of you know the game was made out of a our develop like our lead developers garage and but i really believed in the people there the heads of our studio are just incredible everybody that works on uh the game you know very dedicated it's a labor of love and that's what I, i saw commonality when i went to 2k i was like these guys love sports as much as i do they love making games i i feel like this is a place where that that could have a lot of success you also worked for a minor league baseball team. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, uh, in doing research for this, the Jose Canseco story yep. came up a few times. Can, can you share that? Sure. Um, right after the women's basketball team, I was still in San Diego. I went to, I chased the sports thing. I finally got my first paid job in sports. And it was to run game day operations for the San Diego Surf Dogs, who had first season had Ricky Henderson. And we were looking to make a splash. And so they asked, they're like, hey, Ronnie, do you know anyone? By You know, like we were all brainstorming. Like, well, I just happened to know Jose Canseco as a kid. And they're like, wait, what? Like, that, that would be awesome. And it was right at the height of, you know, him releasing the Juiced book and all that. So we, we brought Jose on. A few days later, he found out we had a team in Long Beach. He's like, my daughter lives in Long Beach. Please trade me there. And I'm like, I've worked so hard to bring this guy on. 
and now he's like my big break. He's going to make a move. And you know what's great about big breaks is like you don't know how what the break, big break's going to be. And it turned out that when he came back to visit us as, a, as an away player with the Long Beach Armada, he faced off against us. And the night before, me and my staff like went to Bonds and bought a bunch of grape juice boxes and, and stickers of his face. I don't remember where we found the stickers of his face, but we basically applied a sticker of his face on all the juice boxes and turned it into one of the bigger viral moments before social media that we could fathom. It was on SportsCenter. It was everywhere, right? And that was like the kind of the first grassroots marketing thing that I was really like part of. And I really got excited about what you could do with like little budget by just um, having your passionate fan base get very excited about a moment. And uh, that was kind of a a really big lesson, you know, that kind of grew momentum as I went to 2K. Were were you guys still cool after that? Yeah, I I mean, I haven't talked to him in a long time. I wonder how he's doing. But uh, yeah, we were fine. I mean, it was was like one of those things that like made sense. And (laughs) it's kind of like the same thing with the ratings and the NBA players. Like uh, they get, you know, NBA players get it. Even when they get upset and think that I have something to do with it, which I don't really, um, you know, it's it's an understanding about we're trying to get our product in in front of as many eyeballs as possible. Mm -hmm. So that kind of conversation is really fruitful to, you know, be able to do that. So let's uh, shift to 2K. You rank top 10 in the 2K5 leaderboards. Yep. Uh, how did you get so good? How I got good was I was like most, you know, like early, late teens, early 20s people that was like, hey, I'm just going to dedicate myself to being really good at this. So after I got back from my job at the Surf Dogs or the law, law Firm or the Siege, that's what I did all night. You know, I slept like three hours, which I pretty much do now, but I was playing 2K and just, I was in, I was addicted to the game. I was in love with the game. And what's so cool about that is, you know, I'm, I'm still the same dedicated fan that just represents the fans as, as this kind of voice for the, for the consumer. But it can't, it comes from a very, you know, organic place, you know, a model that would be very hard to duplicate. This super fan that ended up just like talking about the game so much and it becoming a career. And then how did you get the nickname Ronnie2K? Was it was that like your gamer tag at that point? Or? No, it, it was not. Um, I, I'll never forget the conversation. I just talked to our marketing folks. I had, uh, I had a presence on the forums. That was my first job at 2K was to run the forums, be a forum manager. And I just, my profile image... This was before I like had my identity out there. Was Ronnie James Dio? <laughs> You're like who the hell? I, was I, that? I, yeah, it's okay. Somebody, somebody will. Anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, but I was like, look, I really feel that people are connecting with um, other people more than they're connected with brands. And I mean, you, now you look at it, you're like, duh, influencer marketing for sure. <laughs> but back at the time, that was a really like kind of leap. You know, you you would have this brand that was trying to grow its own identity that was like also let's build a personality that will also grow its identity kind of simultaneously so those conversations with 2k they were you know really supportive because they got the the vision you know 2k was always ahead of social media always ahead of influencer marketing and uh it's just kind of a testament of to to a lot of work i never thought and i've said this a million times i never thought it would turn into anything like it has I really thought it was going to be, you know, just this underground thing that if you were a Supercore fan, you you knew me and you could connect with me and I can, you know, talk to you one-on-one. But now it's, you know, become this thing where it's one-to-many and I I have to put out content and 
talk to people on a, on a much more broader scale. But, it, you know, it's been the most amazing thing ever, for sure. So you, you were one of the OG influencers. Like, did, did you, I mean, you, you said you couldn't imagine this unfolding the way it has, but what, when did you kind of start to feel like you were gaining momentum and it was becoming there were a few right like chris move was another big one early i think he and there was this guy what was his name he made michael jordan videos oh my god it's gonna bother me um anyway there were there were a few people that were like early that had their kind of niche at 2k like this guy made michael jordan videos and and when we had 2k 11 and chris move was the my player guy and my player wasn't a thing until 2k 10 so like he kind of took off then everybody that found a niche like could kind of leverage it for me i think it you know it became when the athletes started talking about me in a variety of ways whether it was ratings or seeing me at an event or like it meaning a lot you know now you look back and you think like i've been there almost 15 years and 14 in a couple months um and the crazy thing about that is a lot of these guys that are coming to the league now they were five years old when the game came out, right? So, like, this is literally all they've been playing their entire life. I, I've had those come that conversation with Zion and Carl Anthony Towns and like a, a, a bunch of guys that they're like, "This is the only game I've played my whole life," and you know, and you were there at the very beginning. So that kind of connecting again with the you know the quality product that we put out has created this you know very organic and kind of amazing thing. What does it mean to you to hear stuff like that and to be the face of 2K and, and all that comes with that? Um, I mean, it's very humbling. It's it's uh, it's a great product. I mean, to be connected to this this game that has changed so many things culturally has also created opportunities for so many people, right? Like now we have uh, the search, which allows rappers to get their music into the game. We have uh, the fashion drops, which I worked really hard on in terms of like getting the the right people emerging opportunities to put their clothing in the game. It's not just a basketball game anymore. It's so much more than that. And it means so much to different people for different reasons. You know, we had a stand with the Black Lives Matter thing last year where Mm -hmm. people peacefully protested during that event. Uh, We've thrown in-game concerts. Like there's just so many, like it's, it's a world now and to be connected to that and seeing it kind of grow from, uh, I mentioned earlier, like, I don't play quick game anymore. That's because a lot of people don't play. And by quick game, I mean, I'm the Lakers, you're the Suns. We're going to play, you know, God mode five on five. Now it's about you as, as a, my player and going into the city, buying clothes, going to play on a pro-am team, you know, running around in a, on a skateboard, like this whole world around basketball. That's like raised this thing to be much more accessible and allow our community to be bigger. I think it was hard for everybody just to play as the Lakers or something. Unless you're a super NBA fan, that that's limiting, right? Now, there's so much to do in our game that it's it's more open, but also very rewarding if you're a basketball fan. Why do you think 2K has resonated so much? Because the stuff you're talking about, like these are features that have developed over yeah. the years. So going back, you know, a decade plus, like what, why do you think it's resonated so much? Well, I think the feature, it starts with the game for us, right? Like the, our developers have had a, had a roadmap and they've stayed consistent to it. They've had a plan and they've like been very, very like the, the whole transition to my player with the evolution that eventually could lead to like an esports thing, like the 2k league, like that you could actually make money playing 2k and representing an actual NBA team. That was not like, Oh, we're just going to do that and we'll get there tomorrow. That's a, it's a, it's a long kind of, journey that every year 
So, you know, like we had Micro and 2K10, then, you know, we had the park in 2K14. You could scan yourself in the game in 2K15. You could join a crew in, in 2K16. Like all of these were single kind of movements towards a, a bigger goal, which was we want you to be in our game all the time. We want you to be thinking about all these features. We want you to even be able to make a career out of it, which a lot of people have, mm-hmm. whether it's the 2K League or being a content creator or a variety of ways, which I think is awesome. Ultimately, we built this platform that's resonating with so many people that they're are now treating as a, a platform for opportunity. And I think that's that's really cool because that's the ultimate goal of, of what a product should be. From an outsider's perspective, I feel like your position, you're only able to get into this because of your ability to build and maintain relationships, right? And that's been a big part of it mm-hmm. with players and, and celebrities. Uh, and, and you know maybe someone else kind of along your path gets to your spot, but they can't maintain those relationships as well as you can. What do you think has been the key to developing and maintaining those relationships the way you've been able to? I think it will, it starts with authenticity, right? Like I was a 2K fan. Like I know our game backwards and forwards. I just walked you through the, you know, the annual kind of thing. And that's not like some scripted thing that I, mm-hmm. I know it backwards and forwards. And a lot of it is because I'm that, you know, like enthralled by the game and by the work that our team has done. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, like I feel like I relatable a lot with these guys because like we have the same interests whether it was 2k or you know being out or 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 fashion music all of these things that we talked about it was very analogous and i think that again people like connecting with people even more than they like connecting with brands because you put a personality behind it um and then it's just consistency and working really hard like i i'm not kidding when i say that i get very little sleep in a week um but it's something that i don't complain about for a second because it's a it's it's a labor of love you know like i am working towards something that is is very exciting for me and very rewarding for me and it's led to this you know world platform that is 2k was there any moments in which you were starstruck when you first started dealing with players or just from being a fan to to kind of being colleagues with? i mean i've had my moments like the first time i met michael jordan was amazing and even the last time I met Michael Jordan was crazy. Um, not the last time I met Michael Jordan. One of the last times I met Michael Jordan was uh, right after I played in my first celebrity game in Charlotte. First time I played in the game. Play in the game, play whatever. It was fine. First time I'd played in front of 18,000 people in a really long time. And um, I go to the Jordan brand party after the game, and his sons come up to me, uh, Marcus and Jeff, and they're, they're like, Ronnie, you played so well. Like Our dad wants to talk to you about it. And I'm like, your dad, Michael Jordan, <laughs> wants to talk about me playing basketball? Okay. So I went over there. I, c- I couldn't tell you a word he said, like, because I'm pretty sure I went unconscious for a little bit. But, like, you know, that kind of moment was one of those things that, like, you couldn't even, you know, dream of. We just shook hands there, and I just blankly stared at him, talking to me about him, the greatest player of all time, watching me, the not the greatest player of all time, play basketball. Which is, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. I know you get hit up by celebrities all the time asking 2K related questions, but who, yeah. who's the most random celebrity that has reached out to you There's or so asked you? so many random ones that I'm like, why is this person? Because we know like Travis Scott or- Yeah, yeah, you know, people that are in the, in the world. People that are in the game or, yeah. Oh, who hit me up the other day? Macy Gray. Macy Gray. I was like, <laughs> there, there's- I mean, no offense to you, Macy, but there's no way that you play 2K, right? Like, is is that possible? She's like, no, I play. I'm like, okay, that's cool. 
and you could you could check who play like like you can if you know their oh, yeah if I know their game yeah. I know exactly what they've done in the game. Um, I'm followed on social media by Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was a big celebrity <laughs> crush of mine when I was a kid. I've never DM'd her. She only follows ninety something people. I have no idea why she follows me, but maybe it's because uh, her kids play the game. I have no idea. Um, Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, I, I just that's. <laughs> Maybe their kids play. I, I don't know. That's funny. I saw you mention your your Rolodex on a podcast and and who you've recently been texting. Who have you been texting this week or talking to as you're traveling? And, and well, I mean, stuff. usually it's about like what opportunities we have coming up. Like uh, I just actually was on the phone with Quavo on the way over here because there's a 2K opportunity that I think our fans are going to be super excited about that I can't talk about yet, but that I'll, I want him to sort of like spearhead as obviously – He's played in the celebrity game before. He uh, is very into the basketball culture. He loves our game. So I, I was just talking to him about that. Uh, we just did a shoot with Lethal Shooter. I talked to Jay Balvin yesterday about some other game that 2K has. Uh, so obviously basketball is my focus at 2K, but I'm you know we've taken over licenses that are very exciting to me. I, I was a huge WWE fan as a kid, and so... 2K just took over the WWE license a couple years ago. This is the first year where they've had a full cycle on it. Um, WWE 2K22, uh, which comes out in a few months. And uh, I am so excited to like talk about that crossover audience. And like, there's people that I talk to all that. Like I was with Carl Anthony Towns uh, a couple weeks ago when he was up at, at, um, playing the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And we had dinner and we spent like 25 minutes talking about Rick Flair and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just like the most random conversation, but it, <laughs> it's like watch. It's kind of funny watching these worlds collide because like I'm very excited to uh, about that game and getting to talk to you know him about it and maybe do some content down the road with him about it is a uh, is a very exciting pro- proposition. We'll get back to stargazing in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's, uh, let's transition to ratings. Yep. And I think anyone who follows you understands that you have a say in the ratings, but you're not, it's not you necessarily Correct. saying this player's a 90, this player's an 88, yep. uh, but you're obviously the, the voice in the face of it. So you, you get some of that uh, flack, but I, I know with, with fans and, and with trolls, you're going to get some of that, you know, negative reaction, but with the players, yep. why, why do the players care so much about their ratings and why do they have these visceral reactions to when you unveil i mean ultimately the nba players are competitive on and off the court right so like i know for a fact because i've talked to a lot of them that they talk about this number which honestly doesn't mean a lot because it's dynamic and can change with an individual's performance for 
over a week or whatever the stretch of time is that mm-hmm. justifies a ratings change. That's totally within their control. However, in the locker room, you know that people are saying, this guy at your position has two points better than you at your position, and he's not as good as you. You're going to get mad about that because you're <laughs> inherently you're, you're competitive. So I think that that conversation is super awesome for us. Um, and it's always fun to watch these guys like just get so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like the, the other thing that I will say is like there are no 99s in mm-hmm. 2K22. Um, there haven't been any 99s for a while. And it's because we have historical players and we have to like put them over the course of time. But I think that like in their minds, they're like the top 100 players should have a 90 plus. But it's really like the top 15 players. Yeah. Have have a have a ninety plus. So like if you think about it scale wise, I, anytime I show somebody the list of the top twenty players, they're like, oh, that's pretty accurate. Like that. Like if you see them like just juxtaposition by their by their ranking, just sorted by their order, you're like, oh, maybe I have a problem with one or two of these guys. But for the most part, this looks accurate, right? Mm-hmm. The top four guys are not surprisingly Steph, LeBron, Giannis, and KD, right? Mm-hmm. That I think everybody would agree that those are the should be the four guys. Where you put them, that's the great thing about the conversation, right? Like let people argue that. Let them let those four guys argue that. You saw LeBron talk about those two needing to be ninety nines. Um <laughs> with the probably with the site that he wanted to be ninety nine. <laughs> but um I think that that's the it's a great thing that people have that conversation that they do care. It is competitive amongst the locker room. But it is fascinating that like it doesn't affect their paycheck whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you make an all-NBA team, that affects your paycheck. You make, you know, you can be a Super 2. Having a 90-plus rating in 2K does not give you Super 2 status. It, it, but you, know, you would think maybe, it would. Maybe you guys way. should add that into yeah. the, the next CBA. <laughs> next CBA. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I mean, they treat it that way, which is, which is pretty cool. But, I mean, I, I will say one more thing. If you're an NBA player, you, you get drafted having played this video game your whole life. I mentioned that earlier, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a dream for you to be in the NBA, obviously. You've worked really hard for that. But it's also been a dream for you to be in, in this game. And like a lot of those guys tell me, like when they get drafted, they're like, 1A, 1B. Be in the NBA, be in a video game, be in NBA 2K. And to, to have a platform where they care that much to participate in our game is, is really extraordinary. But I get it. Like They played it their whole lives. It's just like me, right? I love sports so much and now I get to work in the sports industry what a thrill it's the same thing for these NBA players you've had notable interactions with uh, a few players uh, on Twitter uh, John Wall DeMarcus Cousins and then recently Bradley Beal and his wife I guess <laughs> yep. what, what is it like when a player comes at you because again you, you get I'm sure if you pulled up your mentions right now you, you have trolls in there you have people calling yep. you out whatever but when a player does it and that's something that every, you know everyone's going to see it's going to get picked up places aggregated it, it goes viral like what? What is that like when a player's coming at you versus just the average troll? I think the uh, the players know that I'm not responsible for the ratings, but they like to kind of participate in the conversation <laughs> and have fun with it. I've been friends with Bradley for a, a really long time, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is part of like just the conversation. I think that they have an understanding that our platform needs to be in front of as many eyeballs as possible. Mm-hmm. So when that conversation happens. It's actually good for everyone in a strange way. That conversation is lifting the NBA. It's lifting basketball, right? It's lifting 2K. It's lifting the profile of that player. Um, So I don't think that there's any like ill will or anything. 
usually, you know, like we're in the same circles, we're seeing each other a lot. It's part of the the ecosystem of that conversation, which I think is really cool. What what's uh what's the story of Harrison Barnes' wedding and you having to address the the ratings in front of like dozens of players? Yeah, Rick Carlisle, who was the coach of the Mavs at the time, where is he now? Indiana. He's, he's in Indiana. That's what yeah. I thought. Um, he went back to Indiana. I, I guess uh Wesley Matthews pulled me aside to complain about my rating <laughs> during the reception, and Coach Carlisle heard this, and then like he had a speech later on. And it was pretty lit. So like <laughs> he was like, Oh, that's a good time to acknowledge this thing in the middle of, you know, this wedding. Harrison's one of my closest friends. Um, was not expected to to deal with that. But I you know, we I kept it short. I we did it and moved on. Yeah, Rick, Rick Carlisle starting some trouble. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably not the uh, most appropriate place to do that, but we all we all had fun with it and it was it, I didn't realize I was gonna get that much pickup because what was crazy was like this was a really beautiful wedding, and every NBA, I mean, it speaks to Harrison's character, like, every big-time NBA player was there. The focus should have been on his beautiful bride, Brittany, and I hope my <laughs> wedding is interrupted with some weird thing like that, but we do, our, we do the best we can. Like, how did working on the forums shape your yeah, role with, with 2K and, and your ability to understand what 2K users want? I mean... I was a super fan, and then I was sitting in those forums both before I started 2K and uh, at the beginning, sitting with the super fan, knowing what the super fan wanted. I I really encourage like I feel like a lot of people coming into an industry with a a product that's as wide reaching as as 2K is really like would benefit from a, a role like that because you really understand your consumer. It really prepares you for the way that you market, the way that you customer service, the way that you develop a game, like all everything that you need to understand is it comes from the consumer and, and listening to them. And so that was a like a experience I wouldn't trade for the world. It, like I learned so much during that time. And I think it's really helped me like with the evolution of marketing. I mean, marketing has transformed completely, especially, especially at our brand, but it's, it's allowed me to stay core to this is what the consumer is looking for and driving that, you know, in our business. And then if someone wanted to be the next Ronnie 2K in either a sports game or a different video game or even a different industry, what would be a piece of advice you would give that person to kind of follow your career path as as reasonable as possible? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's a dedication to the craft more than anything, right? Like I talked about working really, really hard. The, those maintaining those relationships is is a is a twenty four seven kind of thing, right? Like I get hit up at weird hours of the night. You know these guys play. You know in another country they're playing two K, right? And they need need some help or need to ask a question. That it's a it's a dedication to the craft, and that goes for really any role. Um, when it comes to uh, you know a role in gaming and tech. I would recommend like you have to continue to educate and stay up with the trends because like there's a new social media platform every year or even less, right? There's there's new ways that people are communicating um, that their interests and like where they're going to and, – and we have to learn how they, they're communicating so we can put our product there. I mean, TikTok has been a completely like a complete revolution in the last couple of years, right? 
And I've had to like really invest a lot of time and learning and seeing what content works there and what the consumer is doing there and what I'm trying to drive objectively there. Um, that's a big part of the business. Continue to re-educate no matter, you know, especially in this industry because it changes and evolves faster than most. You have to continue to, you know, learn because most people, I think that's one of the biggest things I learned coming out of college. Like I didn't ever pick a major really. Right. But like, then I decided to just be a lifelong learner of things. And you ha- I, I had to do that because social media and then influencer marketing was never taught when I was in college because they're pretty new kind of nuanced fields, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to continue to, if you want to stay ahead and launch the trajectory of a business, you got to continue to educate every single day. Do you run all your social media accounts? Because you're really active uh, on, on all I, platforms. I, I do. Um, in the last couple of years, I've gotten some help because uh, my my buddy Jason, he does a lot of my video editing and then helps me like strategically with voice and, and, and posting and stuff like that. The only reason that became super necessary is because I have my social media outward facing content role, mm-hmm. which some days is really, really good because I get to do fun stuff and I have bandwidth. And then I have this role where I'm very strategically involved um, with 2K's marketing on different titles. And I, you know, I have to focus on that. So um, kind of running the the gamut between both back and forth and like being level-headed and good at both of them is very challenging. So had to eventually get some help. I think that's another probably recommendation I'd have for social media influencers, like invest in yourself. If you believe in yourself, if you're unique and creative enough, invest in yourself, get some help, make your content different because, you know, you're going to get one real shot at captivating an audience and you need to do what you need to do to make sure it works. How much pressure is there on you on a daily basis in terms of like, because I mean, literally Ronnie 2K, 2K's in your last name. I mean, not obviously your actual last name, but I've been thinking about legally changing. Yeah. (laughs) People associate you so much with 2K. Like you are as associated with the brand as basically any figure is with another brand and, Mm -hmm. you know, like Jake from State Farm, right? Like you're, you know, that level. So I guess how how much pressure is there on you to not mess up in in some way? Because obviously if just on, especially dealing with people on social media, like you got to be careful what you say. And, uh, I mean, we we are a publicly traded company. We, we have stock owners, all that stuff. But I'll, I'll tell you what, man, it's probably because I've been here for so long and ha- had a proven track record. Ultimately, we're human. You know, we're going to make mistakes. Um, that's That happens. But I, I've been entrusted by this great leadership team that we have to do what I got to do to think and be in the places where I need to be to, to make this thing ultimately successful and grow our, our brand. Because there's a lot of tremendous value in in these relationships and activating a lot of these guys to talk about something that they love with another personality. I, I just think that the value of that's pretty significant. I obviously I always like ultra watch my thing, and it's very challenging when you have people that are also helping you with your social media, like they have access to your accounts. That gets that gets a little scary too. But you just have to manage and delegate and grow as a business, just like you know a, a business would. This is ultimately like. Social media content creators, I'm not just talking about myself, anybody that's in that business mm-hmm. is a brand and business in themselves and they have to appropriately professionally treat themselves and such. And so, you know, part of that is making sure that you are delegating and building and doing the right things to maintain the brand. A couple more questions here. Uh, in terms of, you mentioned like the 24-7 nature of staying in touch with people. 
Do you have a process to that in terms of like, do you have like a spreadsheet of like, this is the last time I talked to this person or like, or is that in your head kind of, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Let me reach out to them. Like, how do you navigate with, you know, 450 players, but on top of that, celebrities, uh, rappers, you know, not really. I mean, uh, you also, a part of it's awareness too. Like I would say, like, I don't have a million skills in this world, but one thing that I, I feel like I am good at is like understanding somebody's, um, like aptitude for uh being connected you know like some people don't like to talk all the time some people are very busy you know like so just like ranging that but i'll tell you one thing that influencers celebrities athletes really don't like is you only reaching out to them when you need something right like and it's about and i i've been i'm in an enviable position that i can offer value you know like whether it's, I mean, the simplest is if you need a game, but like the more uh, important thing is, can I provide you business value? Are you thinking about video games and streaming and your brand endorsements? Are you thinking about those fully? How are you going to leverage this very important marketing vehicle that is video games to enhance your other businesses, right? That's what I'm always thinking about with the people that I try to talk to. I'm not trying to look for anything once in a while. I'm looking for opportunities where it's, going to be mutually beneficial at all times and finally uh what is ronnie 2k doing in 2025 uh, i mean i would assume that i'm still doing my 2k thing but uh you know i have a lot of interests that line up with the growing of the business right like i i really want to inspire the next generation of content creators i think there's something there as i said like we've leveraged the video game platform to help musicians Put out their music, out clothing brands, put out their clothing, you know, so on and so forth. I want to continue to like lean into those opportunities and especially with gaming creators, right? Like how do we take a gaming creator and make them a gaming brand themselves? All of these guys that we work with that are putting out content, like how do I, how, how can I help them be better? That's, that's a big one for me. Um, yeah. You know, I always make the joke, I'll be Ronnie 4k, it's, you know, <laughs> 2000 years. So I'll be around for that. But, um, no, but I, I, it's all about like continuing to develop and grow this amazing ecosystem that is 2K. I, I still feel like I'll be very involved in that. Awesome, man. That, that's exciting. Uh, anything you want to plug? Mm, not really. Go get NBA 2K22 if you haven't. <laughs> if you haven't already, it's been out for a few months, but it's uh, the, the fans really love this one and um, excited to. It's our second year on next gen, so uh, on the new consoles. If you've gotten a PS5 or an Xbox SX, you're very lucky. Make sure you're playing it on that platform. But uh, we got a, you know big things in store in future years. That's for sure. That does it for this episode of Stargazing. To watch the full-length interview of this episode, go to the Athletics YouTube page. There's a playlist right there of each episode. To become a subscriber at the Athletic, go to my Twitter account at Yovan Buha and click on any of my stories. Thanks again for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.